This is the Pro-AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. Nowadays, we put a lot of AV on the ones and zeros. They want more features, but they want to see less hardware. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Market Scale Pro AV Podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, freshly back from Amsterdam and back in the chair, ready to bring you another episode of the Pro AV Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very happy to be back. This week's episode is going to be a bit of a recap of the ISE show, that uh, Integrated Systems Europe show that was there in Amsterdam uh, that we've been posting a ton of content from. So if you haven't seen it, you haven't seen some of the videos or listened to some of the podcasts from that show, you can check all of that out on the Market Scale Pro AV industry page. So make sure you can go check that out right now as well. So today's episode is going to be a bit of a recap from all of that stuff that we collected last week. It's going to be some audio that maybe you haven't heard yet, uh, an interview with Phillips and a couple of other things. So it's going to be a really, really exciting episode coming up next. So stick around for that. That is all coming up here on the Market Scale Pro AV podcast. Many of you know, I recently arrived back in the United States after spending a week in Amsterdam covering Integrated Systems Europe 2019. And we produced a lot of really exciting content that I'm really proud of, and we talked to as many different people as we could while we were there. And one of the things about the show that's really hard to express is just how vast it is. With over 1,300 exhibitors present, you can try your hardest, but it's always going to feel like you're just scratching the surface of everything the show has to offer. For this segment of the podcast, I wanted to take a minute to play some audio that we haven't released up to this point to try to help paint the picture of the variety of topics covered at the show and some of the major themes that developed while we were there. The first conversation I want to play for you was with Ava Vanderkoop from the Professional Display Solutions Division of Philips. She begins by discussing the two products that Philips debuted at the show and explains what pixel pitch means. So we are doing basically two product introductions and on top of that we have 16 different partners uh, that are bringing their solutions here on our booth as well, uh, which is for instance TeamViewer, Telenor, and sign sticks, which uh, we're really proud of to uh, be displaying here and doing the collaboration with. That's really exciting. Now, can you explain the pixel pitch on this LED screen and then explain kind of what pixel pitch means and what that, what exactly that means to somebody who's never heard that phrase before? I can imagine. Yeah, it's, it's um, so LED for us. So basically, it's a screen that you can make in any shape, size that you want. We make it in a 27-inch cabinet, which means that you can really make it any size, shape that you want because you can make it a 55-inch cabinet or you can make it as large as you want. The cabinet that we have here and the full size of it is a two. 220 inch. Uh, yeah, it's really, really nice. We bring it in 110, 164, and 220, like this one. It's a 4K then resolution. Uh, and that is also dependent on the pixel pitch. So the pixel pitch on this one is 1.9, uh, which is really, really sharp, especially when you're still up close. You can really see the full image still very clearly instead of when you have a bigger pixel, it's like a 4.8, which we also have, but that's a different line. Um, that's something that you would like to see from further away, more of an outside experience, for instance, outdoor. Yeah. Like something that might be along the side of like a soccer stadium or something like that? Yeah, exactly like that. Exactly like that. Okay. And this one could be much more for like inside. Uh, the, the smaller pixel pitch just makes a super sharp 4K image uh, and that really creates an 
really extraordinary experience, yeah. So what are some of the products that your partners brought and how do you kind of go about crafting those collaborations and really making those uh, work for them? So with the different partner solutions that we have, as Philips really stand for um, talking to our partners and talking to our customers, so we bring basically the full product. It has a strong computer, it has most of the time Android in it for almost all of the products and really good solid hardware. But that's not, of course, always what a customer wants. They want a full solution. So we bring different partners with that that create that solution together. So for instance, we have TeamViewer, which probably most of you know. They're actually built into our screen. So when you open up the box, you get it already installed with TeamViewer, and you can have all you know the service, the support that you need, basically, with TeamViewer and Philips together, which is a really strong connection, I would say. We do that with most of the partners. We try to really build a solid relationship so that we can code to customer and go like, we can give you a full solution together. That's incredible. And now, you mentioned that uh, Chromecast was built into this series over here. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Because that's particularly exciting to me. Yes, it is very exciting, especially because we can proudly say we're the first to be able to build in Chromecast. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so it's our Pro TV series. Um, we have several ranges in the, in the Pro TV. So we start with the entry model, basically. And this is really our smartest set. So it has uh, Android 7, uh, and it is uh, with an extended lifetime, which means that you can every, for the next two years, you can update the Android inside, which means the set actually doesn't become obsolete. On top of that, we also have the Chromecast built in, which is, of course, the hot topic right now. Everybody wants to share their content directly when they're in a hotel room, when they're in a business lounge. They want to share their content to a screen and just watch what they want to watch and not just what's projected on the screen itself. So that's really the main, main topic that we're really excited about. As well in the corporate environment, when you want to share, you know, whatever is on your laptop to the screen to do presenting with Chromecast built in, you could ju just do it instantly. So that's really cool. That makes a lot of sense. And I really like the idea that you can update uh, the Android inside because uh, I, I like the idea of it not going out of, out of date, you know, out of style so quickly. Because nowadays it feels like you buy something and then six months later you're like, oh no, but I want that one. But with this you can update the, the software inside of it and then it stays up to date, which I think is a really great feature. Yes, exactly. It really extends the lifetime of the screen. And I really, you know, as Philips, we want to make sure that we promote to our customers that what you buy with us is it's, it's worth it, you know? We make sure that you, not after a year you feel like you, you have to upgrade again to something else. You can just stay with us and we just make sure that everything is up to date and, and exactly to the specifications that you want. This trend of utilizing connectivity to ensure that products don't go out of date within a year of purchasing them was something I saw a lot of at ISE. And it felt to me like a response to something the marketplace was asking for, that they would be more willing to invest in new LED boards if there's a guarantee that they won't have to purchase them again in 18 or so months. But this wasn't just a show full of loudspeakers and LED boards. My next conversation was with Michelle Matushki from Beckoff Automation, and we talked about the growing world of control automation and how it's frequently used to fully synchronize shows that include audio, video, graphics, fog, water, you name it. So here's Michelle. Beckoff is a control automation company. We have a very flexible uh, system, which is uh, running on a PC-based control approach. So we have an operating system, and then we have our controller with the logic, and we have multiple uh, inputs and outputs, so we can speak a lot of communication protocols so that the integrator can talk to his uh, HVAC system, to the lighting system, to the 
sound system to uh, other multimedia systems like um, projectors and stuff like that. And the the main uh, projects which customers are doing are focusing on collaboration conference rooms, building automation, control rooms, and entertainment technology up to uh, whole theme parks. Wow, that's incredible. So what are some uh, examples of how theme parks are using your technology you know, all the way throughout their park? Yeah, it's uh, a little bit off this show. Uh, we are f we're having uh, media-related installations, but there is also the installations of uh, robot controls, which are animated figures, um, up to uh, synchronization to SIMT timecode, for example. So we have whole customers which are doing whole synchronized shows, video, sound, uh, projection effects, uh, special effects, water effects, fog effects, and this animatronics all synchronized in shows. Yeah, That is what typically customers are doing, yeah. That's incredible. So, uh, and this all runs on Windows, is that correct? Uh, that's correct, but we also have alternatives for the operating systems for those customers who yeah, don't like Windows or have special software, which is, we even um, also sell uh, the hardware itself, and then you can run on our industrial proven uh, PCs, your own operating system, QNX, Linux, whatever you like to, yeah? And run your video player or special software, whatever you need, yeah? So this could also be something that's used in a hotel or something like that? Absolutely, absolutely. So we have also other customer groups which are integrators for um, building automation and they are then working in the hotel sector, professional buildings, uh, hospitals, schools and stuff like that, yeah. And they can make uh, those buildings more efficient, right, by having uh, programs that say if it's this hot, uh, the air conditioning will come on or turn off and that sort of thing, which saves people money and then they're very happy with with how it's working. Yeah, absolutely. So from the building automation aspect, there are major two aspects. One is saving energy, which is absolutely possible when you have a fully integrated system. So you can have the uh, check the occupancy of the room if people are in, then uh, uh, bringing the, heat, uh, the, the, um, the temperature of the room to the right set point, uh, having um, and another feature is also that we can have functions like uh, human-centric lightning, that we uh, have the, that's also one of these new features you maybe know, yeah? And um, saving all the energy is one aspect, the other aspect is always comfort in the end, yeah? So that you don't have 15 uh, switches on the wall which you have to, or maybe three different displays or panels where you have to control the audio system, the video system, the heating system, and so on, that you just go in the room and say, okay, we are now in presentation mode. And presentation mode gives the correct set commands to the, the HVAC system, to the blind system, to the uh, projection system, to the audio system, and so on, that they all go into their correct preset scenes, cues, however that's called, but it's basically the same in the end, yeah? and that's uh, comfort and saving energy. That's the main aspect. Finally, I'll wrap up this section of the show with a conversation that I had with a man named Steve Ashby, who just so happened to walk up and sit down next to me while I was eating lunch. He's an AV engineer for a company in the UK called Involve Visual Collaboration, and he was kind enough to spend a few minutes chatting with me about his impressions of the show. And one of his big takeaways was the growing trend of AV over IP, which he'll explain in more detail shortly. He starts off by expressing his amazement at the sheer size of the show. It was massive, uh, but extremely impressive. Uh, lots of ideas, from big to small. Um, and I'm looking forward to coming back next time. Uh, and I'm also looking forward to going back to the office with some ideas. So what would you say that you've picked up while you're here? What technologies have stood out to you? What have you found interesting? Um, and, and what are you going to take back to the UK when you leave? I think the big thing is AV over IP. Um, how that's growing now, uh, and how certainly how stable it is compared to 
concerns previous years, whether it goes over 10 gig, one gig. Um, there's this certainly a major factor, but also the, the new series of sort of era re-entering in, in with microphones. Um, you know, I think we've seen that that side of the industry is it's, it's perhaps been neglected over the years. Uh, whereas now with you know, Biomp have got new products out and, and Shaw and, and Audio Technica, um, just to name a few, it's the, the new HDRA sort of the new array sort of mics are, are, are certainly again impressing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, for those people who might not know what um, what it means when you say over IP, uh, AV over IP, can you explain that? Like, uh, dumb it down as far down as you can? Uh, I'll certainly give it a go. So it's essentially in the past we've, we've transferred uh, video signal uh, into uh, sort of along your traditional Cat5, Cat6 at very low, uh, uh, low bandwidth. Uh, low resolution with the advent of 4k um, and the, the, the trying to get that absolutely spot on with the perfect quality and and there's some here displaying you know pixel perfection and, and things like that um, we have to take it a lot more seriously and and, and so IVO, AV over IP is the sort of encoding and decoding of that signal and ensuring the bandwidth is there to to broadcast it's probably not the, not the clearest description at all, but, but essentially what it's going to do is it's going to remove the need to run, you know, massive lengths of cabling, video cabling everywhere. Um, it's going to make certain systems a lot, lot simpler, um, where you, you literally do just have your encoder one end of your room and, and, and decode the other, or, or even across campuses especially. That, that's where all this is going to suddenly come in, whereas with... with previous sort of TXRX solutions um, you're restricted to 70 metres 100 metres this is now based on your network and, and, and what you know what, what provision you put in place to ensure it's managed so you mentioned that you're excited to come back next year what would you do differently about the show how would you plan out your time and that sort of thing uh, soft souls <laughs> uh, Shoes are very important at this show. Yeah, um, take into account the, 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 sort of that element. Um, I, I think you plan a little bit more. It, it, it's it's one of, it's the biggest show in the world for our industry. Um, so understanding what you can give a miss to, you know, you can get you you you, you can get that whole wow factor, and, and that's what manufacturers are looking to do. But you also need to be careful not to get lost in it. Um, if you've got specifics of your areas that you need to stick to, stick to them. Make sure if you want that extra time, then stop to that last day. It's going to be a lot quieter. Go look at them all then. Go speak to people then. Um, and and that's I'd say that's one of the, the, the biggest things. Just pick where you want to go wisely. Be prepared. It's, it's, there's a lot of walking. It's a, it's a long day, but it's definitely worth it.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that look at some of the themes that we encountered around Integrated Systems Europe last week in Amsterdam. Again, it was an incredible time, such a huge show. If you've never been, make it a point to try to get out there at some point, either next year in Amsterdam or the following year in Barcelona. And as it turns out, the next conversation we're going to have here on the Market Scale Pro AV podcast is with Mike Blackman, the Managing Director of Integrated Systems Events. And we talk about that move to Barcelona, why it was necessary, but we also talk about what makes a successful show. So what he saw, what some of the themes were of Integrated Systems Europe 2019, and his continued amazement at the size of the show and the creativity of the exhibitors. So you're going to want to hear this next interview coming up next here on the Market Scale Pro AV Podcast. Mike Blackman, the Managing Director of Integrated Systems Europe. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for joining us, Tyler. Appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been an incredible event so far. Assess it from your perspective, just as the man in charge. Uh, how do you assess an event like this? Well, you know, we set certain goals that we want to achieve, and they, you know, some of the early goals, the number of exhibitors and the amount of space we sell. But then when we're here, it's not only the number of attendees, but the days they come, what they do. We put a lot of content on uh, to actually help satisfy the attendees. So if you can imagine a trade show being like a magazine, you've got the advertising uh, being the exhibitors and you need some editorial content and we as the organizers are, are responsible for that and it's always difficult trying to choose exactly the right things that satisfy attendees so we have a lot of education we have a lot of professional development we have free sessions we have features uh, screens um, uh, showing how you can present content right. content we have outside we have 3d mapping we have got, got the, the sculpture from uh, Bart Crazer uh, of it. Yeah. Uh, he premiered that last night. We have the new hotel next door, the Rye Hotel, where we're project, projection mapping on the hotel fa facade. Um, so these are the these are the editorial parts of the show where we try to actually give inspiration to the attendees of what's possible. Absolutely, and some of that stuff has been amazing. I saw the hotel last night. Yeah. It was beautiful. It, it was a fantastic great. achievement. Yeah. We're working with two two com well, we're working with a group of companies. Lang mm -hmm. is a sort of AV supplier for all the big uh, presentations we have here. Um, so they put in the projectors um, supported by Panasonic with that. Then um, we brought in uh, Green Hippo and, right. uh, and 10 Feet to work on the content. But then we found out we had to actually coat the windows. So one of the other companies, Pro Display, actually did the coatings for the windows so we could actually get the reflection. So it's a really good concerted effort to actually make that happen. We're pleased. We're really, really over the moon with the result. It looks incredible especially yeah. at night just walking back over to uh, where I took the metro in yeah. it looked phenomenal uh, just in your mind what are some of the themes of this year's show as you have uh, seen exhibits and seen some of the exhibitors and that sort of thing uh, and as you put the show together what were some of the main themes in your mind that you thought people are going to be really interested in hearing about this well um, there are certain themes that we create ourselves so we put in the conferences we have digital signage yeah. we have digital cinema uh, smart building um, we have I'm, I have to think always uh, um, hotel and hospitality, yeah. uh, entertainment, live events. So a host of different uh, themes that we present to try and interest uh, the uh, end users coming here. 
but you see the own initi initiative from the exhibitors themselves. So what you'll see on a lot of the ex ex exhibits at the show is 3D mapping this year. Right. That's really come out big. But you know, when you actually go and see the standard of design from the exhibits, the booths, what the manufacturers are actually doing, it's phenomenal. Yeah. You go in, in the halls and see how much effort, how, how much creativity has gone into that. Uh, it fascinates me always. Does the development in that, in just crafting a booth, has that really fascinated you over the years? Just no, as absolutely. you've seen this happen year after yeah. year, the booths get more extravagant yeah. and bigger. And we do something else as well. We work with Exhibit, Exhibitor Magazine uh, from the US, and we run a, run a stand design awards. Uh, no one has to pay entry into it or anything like that, but Exhibitor Magazine goes around and they look at every single booth at the show with a group of judges. There are a couple of architects on that, there are a couple of exhibition um, uh, people, uh, people who are actually running shows, um, and they go around and say, okay, they classify the booths and certain criteria, design, usefulness, uh, how it's working, etc. And uh, this is something which, uh, um, you know, they put a scaling on that, and then they judge the best booths in different categories of size. And that's also encouraging the, the booth design people within the companies to really go the extra leg. Sure, yeah, that's so, it's incredible to see just the way that we take the last one again. The guy, yeah, I know. I saw him. I, I watched him. I thought, did he do that purposely, or did he really not notice? <laughs> I think so. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Where do we need to start again? From with the design magazine. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so. Ready? We, we, we run um, uh, a booth design competition. We work with the Exhibitor Magazine from the US, and they bring a group of judges here, and they go around and they look at every single exhibit space, and they categorize, they, they judge it on certain criteria, you know, how effective is the use and design, the design itself, the elements they've done, creativity, and, uh, you know, I think that uh, the exhibit event managers in uh, the companies are going the extra leg now to try and win this. It's incredible. So, yeah, it's a prestigious award. I absolutely, mean, yeah. yeah. There's some amazing booths. I yeah. mean, we've walked around all over the place and seen yeah. some really incredible setups. So, yeah, people are really going the extra mile and, yeah. and getting creative with how they are interacting with people, and that's really great to see. Um, people, I think, come to a show like this, and it's it's four days out of their year. But for you, this is... 365, 365 days. 365 days a year. Actually, it's longer. <laughs> we, we actually start the preparation. Yeah. We started the, the preparation for IC 2020 in September. That's incredible. So give people an idea of what, what the preparation like that entails for well, people like you who are well, the first on thing, the clock. The first thing, we look at our, our whole um, branding and targeting. Mm -hmm. Then we look at the floor design, you know, how much space we've got here, where that space is going to be, um, how, how we laid it out. And then we start talking in December to our top uh, 100 exhibitors, mm -hmm. working out what their requirements are so we can plan the floor space. And actually, some of them are actually signing their contracts that early wow. Wow. Uh, for the following year. And uh, because they've been here a long time, they know pretty well what the results are likely to be and uh, pretty com uh, committed to being at the show. So they want to get in early and fix that space. Sure. Then um, we start some of the initial, you know, we have to think where are the features going, what goes where on the show floor, and put that in place. So, and then we do a mail out at the end of December to all of the exhibitors saying, that's how it's gonna look next year. Um, so they're prepared. Then when they're here, uh, they get a couple of days at the show, and after the second day, they come back and start rebooking for the following year. Wow, yeah, yeah. So, a lot of things we still leave till after the show. Mm -hmm. You know, we sit down as a team, 
after every exhibition and we do an analysis of what was good, what worked, what didn't work, why didn't it work, or why didn't we think it worked, uh, can it be improved or should we ditch it? Uh, and we do, we do that on every single aspect. We dissect the show, really look to see what we can improve, what we can change, what can we do better. We talk with our, uh, we have an advisory committee uh, made up of uh, quite a few exhibitors. And we talk to them about what are the trends, um, who are the new sectors of uh, you know, type of attendees that we need to be targeting uh, for the exhibition. And um, you know, put that sort of thing into place to start our planning. So yeah. quite a lot goes on. A lot goes on. And you yeah. mentioned 2020, already planning ahead for that. But already you, you've announced that in 2021 the show's moving to Barcelona. Yeah, that's uh, correct. Yeah. Uh, Amsterdam's been an amazing partner for you. But what's mm. behind just the idea of, of going to a new location? You know, as I say, Amsterdam has been really, really good yeah. uh, as a city and this venue. And uh, this this venue has contributed towards our success, the venue and the city. Yeah. Um, but as you can see, we've run out of space. We we started putting uh, temporary structures around to accommodate more space, but now we've maxed out what we can do there. Um, but not only that, the amount of attendees we have in here. I mean, look at this. You see, we're middle of the afternoon and people are still streaming in. It's back to the Raptors. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, you know, we're. we're we're, we're really bending the borders on this uh, facility yep. and um, it's a shame because it's worked for us but we said okay we've got to the stage where we have to find somewhere else where we can grow mm-hmm. uh, so you know that's the reasoning behind it otherwise we would stay here um, we think we found we believe we found a very good venue to go to with Barcelona it's a cool city yeah uh, the venue is brand new well newish and uh, uh, really fits to what we as a show need uh, and will give us a chance to develop some new things and new ways in which we approach not only what we do for our exhibitors, but what we do for our attendees as well. Excellent. Well, Mike, kudos on a great event. Thank Thanks you. So much for having us. And thank great. you for the time. Tyler, thank you too. Thanks for visiting. Always good to chat. Thank you. That is all we have time for for this week's episode of the Market Scale Pro AV Podcast. Thank you to my guests today. Thank you so much to Integrated Systems Europe for allowing us uh, to be there, to shoot some video, to do some interviews. Thank you again to Mike Blackman for his time during the show. He's obviously a really busy guy, but it was a really awesome experience getting to talk to him and getting to experience the show there in Amsterdam this year. Thank you all so much for listening. Like I mentioned earlier, if you've missed out on any of our ISE content or any other Pro AV content that we have there on the industry page, please make sure to go check it out. We have a lot of great videos and a lot of good written content as well as more podcasts just like this one for you to enjoy. So go find that stuff there. Also, make sure you can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or iTunes. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you're going to be able to find us. So make sure to go check us out there as well. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Market Scale Pro AV podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.